Well, I've been thinking a lot about courage lately. Courage. Uh, You know, not much in our lives that's good can happen without courage, right? Uh, you think about all those moments in our lives where, where unless we step out in courage, we, we kind of fail to actually realize uh, uh, the future that we desire, the future that we feel called to, right? I mean, and it begins from a young age. Remember uh, those of you who ha- had kids who were young, that first step that they took? Remember the great courage? They're holding onto the coffee table, and, and then they're looking at you, and you smile and say you can do it, and they step out, and then like, wham, they're on their face, right? And they're like, Mom, you didn't tell me. That. No, but they had to step out, right? Then we go on into middle elementary school and we step out on that playground to, to form new friendships or into that classroom for the first time. Or in high school, we try out for that team that we're not sure if we're going to make and we step out onto that ball field. We become adults and we step into a job or we step out to launch our own company or a career. And, it, and unless we have courage to do so, we never realize those dreams. There's quite a bit of power in that simple act of courage. In the moment, we might not realize all that hangs in the balance of that decision, whether or not to ask her out, whether or not to move forward, to risk it. And we never fully understand the consequences of stepping out or failing to do so. Think about some of those moments in your life. Think about moments when you could not know the future, but you stepped out courageously to see what might happen. Maybe it was the night you bought that ring. You planned the dinner. Remember, you got down on that knee and you popped the question. You remember that courageous step? Or maybe it was the courageous step when he tried to get the right ring. He tried to plan the dinner. He kind of fumbled to his knee and then you had to decide whether or not you were going to say yes. (laughs) See, there, there are moments of courage in our life that when we embrace them, when we step out courageously, it changes everything. And here's what I think I know about you this morning. Here's what I think I know about you. You can tell me if I'm right. See, the truth is about all of us, or perhaps most of us, is that we rarely regret the risks we took, but we will forever regret the opportunities we missed. We rarely regret the risks we took, but we will forever regret the opportunities we missed because a simple act of courage might just be the thing that opens the door to something remarkable. And that's what I want to explore with you today. We kind of know this to be true in our lives. We know this in our families, and our careers. But did you know this is also true in the life of faith? When Jesus came to this earth and conducted his earthly ministry, he was not on the lookout for fans. He wasn't looking to gather spectators. He called disciples. He called what might be better translated followers. To be a Jesus person was not to sit back and watch. To be a Jesus person was to stand up and take a step of courage and follow wherever he might lead. And here's what we know about following Jesus. Following Jesus will lead us to places where we will have to have courage to follow him. Jesus is not interested in leaving us in our comfort zones because Jesus knows that in our comfort zones, we will never grow. We will never change. We will never be able to fulfill the mission he's called us to. And so following Jesus will require courage. We're in a year-long series right now called The Whole Story. We're preaching cover to cover through the Bible. And today we come to a critical moment of decision in the text. 
The Israelites, that's God's people in the Old Testament, have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. By now, no one except two guys, a guy named Caleb and a guy named Joshua, have ever actually seen the promised land that they were headed to. Everyone else has died off, the text tells us, and these are the only two left. Moses, who's about to die, has led them through the wilderness up to the eastern border of the land of promise. We have this on the map. And they are standing there, still outside the promised land, looking in when the strangest thing happens. Moses dies, and all of a sudden the baton is going to be passed to a guy named Joshua. And Joshua is going to have to face this question, this moment of decision, this moment of courage. Will he step out in faith to lay hold of the promise that God has for him, or will he shrink back in courage? Excuse me, shrink back in fear. No courage in shrinking back. The border here is the Jordan River, and it's here that we're going to encounter our story today. This is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, with that little bit of background and setup. Let me read this text to you. You can follow along on the screens with me or in your own Bibles or on your phone. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. That means he did not have any parents. That's funny every time I say that. Why are y'all not laughing? That's so good. That might be the only one today. You might want to laugh a second time. (laughs) The Lord said, Moses, my servant is dead, Joshua. Therefore, the time has come for you to arise and, here it is, cross over the Jordan River. You and all the people of Israel into the land I'm giving to them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. All right, so here's what we're going to do this morning for the note takers. I want to highlight three things in this story for us. Three things that I think will help us understand why this moment of courage, why this decision to step out courageously is not just important for these biblical characters, but might just be the deciding factor in your life of faith too. Three things. We're going to look at Joshua's emotion. We're going to look at God's invitation. And we're going to look at Joshua's decision. First, Joshua's emotion. I want you to imagine for a moment. I know this is hard because we kind of, especially if we're familiar with this story, we kind of divorce ourselves from, from the reality of this. But But imagine for a minute you're Joshua. How do you think Joshua felt in this moment? I mean, really, just try to put yourself there for a minute, right? I think the dude was terrified. And here's why. Remember, we talked about this two weeks ago. Moses was a towering figure in the history of Israel, right? Moses was like, I, I said he was more famous than Ed Sheeran and LeBron James combined, right? Like he, and he was, he was the dude. Moses was tops. 
This is the guy who went up on the mountain to meet with God, and when he came down, his face was glowing, y'all, right? That's Moses. And this comes to this moment, and Moses, we find out, has just died. He's led them right up to the edge. This is the moment. This is game day. And all of a sudden, he's gone. Like, he's gone to the locker room up in the sky. He's not there anymore. And the first thing out of God's mouth to Joshua is, he doesn't pull any punches. What does he say? Listen, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Right? Happy Easter. (laughs) You get, I mean, this is a little shocking. I was trying to think of what this would be like, and the closest thing I could come to was, imagine if you all came this morning expecting to hear a sermon from the Reverend Billy Graham or the Bishop T.D. Jakes, right? And instead, you showed up and you got, and I, you know, me, right? Like, or worse, you found out they were going to be here and you were going to have to come up and preach, right? Do you feel the pressure now? You would be shaking in your boots too. I think this is how Joshua felt. And unless you need a little more convincing... I think he was scared to death. Why else would God have to say to him, Joshua, be strong and courageous? And then repeats it a second time. Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Joshua's fear, filled with fear. Now, why is he so afraid at this moment? Well, we've already touched on this a little bit. Moses had been the greatest leader Israel had ever seen. And so I'm imagining uh, Joshua is looking up to Moses and he's, Looking back at God, he's thinking, God, listen, you got the wrong guy, right? I'm no Moses. Surely there's someone else that you could ask to do this. But look at how God responds to him in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous, Joshua, for what? You are the one. (laughs) Lest there be any doubt, Joshua. There's an urgency in God's voice here. Joshua, the time is now. Now, if you'll indulge me for a moment, I want to do a little nerdy moment here for those of you who've been tracking along with us in the whole story. If you've been reading, you'll notice some really distinct parallels that the author, the biblical authors want us to see between Moses and Joshua. First of all, you'll remember Moses has this encounter with God at the burning bush. And what does he do there? He he takes off his sandals, right? Kind of a, a sign of humility and surrender. Well, Joshua has a similar encounter with an angel, and the angel tells him to take off his sandals, just like Moses. Just like Moses sent the spies into the promised land 40 years earlier, so also Joshua will send spies into Jericho. You might know the story of Rahab and the scarlet thread, right? Or just like Moses leads the people through the Red Sea into freedom, so also Joshua will lead the people through the River Jordan. Are you seeing these parallels? But perhaps most important for us today, just like Moses' first response to God's call was fear, God, you've got the wrong guy. So it was with Joshua. As it turns out, fear is not a sign of a lack of faith. Fear might be the very sign that God is calling you to step out, that you are the one. Which brings me to the second thing I want to dial us in on here. Because there's a very clever little wordplay that the author and that God is doing here with Joshua in the original language in Hebrew that we might miss. Notice what God says. Notice what he promises here. He says, Joshua, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you, here it is, set foot, wherever your foot sets, 
you will be on land I have given to you. Now, what's going on here? What's this whole deal with feet? Well, you see, there's something rather physical about courage. That's why in every culture, every language, courage must be located somewhere in the body, right? Where, where do we locate courage in kind of the Western English-speaking world? Where do we think of courage as located? In the, in the heart, right? That's why Rick, King Richard, the lion-hearted, right, his courage, we think of courage in heart. In fact, the word courage, cur, is Latin for heart. It's, it's actually related to the heart. But, but we actually have it wrong, and the Hebrews had it right. The Hebrews located courage in the feet because courage was not a feeling. Courage was an action. In fact, the word in Hebrew for courage is the word amates. It literally means to be strong in the feet, to be strong-footed. And we kind of get this, don't we? I mean, we kind of know what it means in moments of courage to be strong in our feet. Interestingly enough, in Hebrew, the word for fear, you know where that's located? Fear is located in the knees. In Hebrew, to be afraid is to be weak need. So in other words, when we come to the moment of decision, we come to the moment of courage, it's, it's not really a battle of the mind or a battle of the emotions. I, I want to suggest today, it's a battle of the ankles. Are the knees going to win or are the feet going to win? Do you get a picture of that? Because courage... Courage is not an emotion. Courage is a step of action. You see, for God's people standing at the edge of the Jordan River, this was a battle that they had to wage in their feet. Who was going to win? Would they succumb to fear as they had 40 years earlier? Or in faith, in strength, in courage, would they step out? Which brings me to the third thing I want us to see in this story, Joshua's moment of decision. Fast forward two chapters to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua and the gang have come to the edge of the river, and they are not just facing a physical problem, y'all. They are facing a fear problem. It's flood season, which means the river is raging. It's spilling over its bounds. And humanly speaking, there's simply no way to cross it, right? I mean, it's just, there, there are no bridges, there are no boats, there's no lazy river floaties uh, like at Wet n' Wild Water Park. I mean, it's, this is a big problem. And fear is often epitomized in the scriptures through the chaos of water. They're literally standing at the edge of their fears, the fear that is standing between them and God's promise. Which is what makes God's command here so peculiar, so strange. Look with me at verse 10. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua. Joshua, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. Time out, right? Did you catch that? You you see what's about to happen? I mean, the Lord is throwing down. Joshua, this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, Balorites, Gonzagaites. I'm still a little bitter about last weekend. Uh, See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord... See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, 
Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, there it is again, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Holy cow, y'all, what a crazy passage. In other words, God says, look, Joshua, here is what I want you to do. I want you and the other priests to start walking down towards the river. And I know this sounds crazy, and I know this seems weird, but here's what I want you to do. When you get to the water's edge, I want you to step into the water. And the minute the soles of your feet touch the water, I'm going to cause the river to stop. It will back up on itself, and you will walk across the river on dry ground. Now, I kind of imagine Joshua in this moment thinking, yeah, right, God, okay. Uh, You want me to do what? Hey, God, I've got another idea. How about we do this? What if me and all the priests, we go up on the hill? What if we just spend tonight praying about it, really? You know, we're just going to pray about it. And and we might pray a couple more times about it. And if we show up the next day and there's no river there, you know, because we prayed about it, then we'll know that you want us to cross. But this whole thing of fear where you're asking us to step out and and trust you, I'm not sure that's a good plan, God. But you see, this is not how real courage works, and it's not how faith works. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is stepping out in the face of fear. Joshua had to step into his fear before God would lead him through that fear. Do you see that? Now, I've taught you all a song uh, before that goes with this story. You might not know it. Uh, We've preached on this once before. Some of the things I'm sharing with you today, you might have heard before. But there's a song we learned as children that kind of captures this idea. It goes like this. Do y'all know this one? You want to do it with me? Oh, come on, come on, let's do it. Going on a bear hunt. Mighty big river. Got my shotgun think I'm going to drown, right? Okay, I merged the two songs there, but you get the idea, right? How does the rest of the bear hunt song go? Do y'all remember that? They come to an obstacle, and what does they say? Can't go over it, can't go under it, can't go around it, gotta go. See, y'all already know this. They, Terrell, they could have preached this today. They know it, right? There comes a moment in your life, and I don't know if it has come or if it will come again or how many times it will come, but there will come a moment in your life where you will stand on the banks of fear, and fear alone will be the thing holding you back from the promise that God has for you. And you're going to pray that fear away. You're going to say, God, I'm ready to go. Will you just give me peace of heart, God? Because if I have peace in my heart, then I'll know you want me to go for it, right? And God's going to say, no, that's not how this works. You're going to have to step into the fear before God leads you through the fear. And it's crazy, y'all, to see what happens next. Look at me at verse 15. Here's the climax to the scene. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Just one more time, the author wants to remind us, y'all, this is a big, mighty big river, mighty big river. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, 
the water from upstream stopped flowing. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Do you see the significance of this? See, all Joshua had was a promise. All he had was God's promise. But to realize that promise, he had to take a step. He had to put his feet in the water. He had to act with courage. And with that one step, with that simple act of courage, Joshua changed Israel's story forever. Forever. And I don't want you to miss this because this may be the most important part of Joshua's story for you and me today because it teaches us something vital about faith. You see, the great mystery of faith is that it is only as we step out in faith that we see the power of God at work. Remember the promise he made? Joshua, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. And some of y'all are like, man, Aaron, I, I, I just want to see God's power at work in my life. I want to I have one of those stories where God's power is at work in my life, where I can point to nothing else but him. My friend, what I would say to you is there is no way to experience that power without stepping out in courage. We must be willing to step before we'll experience the power of God living among us. Now, did Joshua realize all that hung in the balance that day? I don't think so. How could he, right? There's no way he could have understood the full significance of this. Did he, he have any idea that when he stepped in the water, that would set in motion a series of events that would, they, they would pull the marching band out in the very next scene. They would march around the city of Jericho seven times, blowing their trumpets, right? And the walls would come crashing down. That this would lead to the establishment of tribes and then a nation. And then there would be this little village that did not yet exist that would come into existence called Bethlehem. And then there would be this baby born in Bethlehem that would be given the name Yeshua, the same name Joshua for this step of courage, the Lord saves. And this baby would march to Jerusalem, which by the way, did not yet exist, but would come into existence because of Joshua. He would in Jerusalem be raised on a cross, laid to death in a tomb and raised to life again changing the history of the world. Did Joshua know this? No. But because of a simple act of courage, the door was opened for something remarkable. Here's what I think I know about you. You will never know what hangs in the balance of your decision at the water's edge. And today, some of you are facing a water's edge moment right now. In fact, as I've been talking, some of you have already had that, that issue come to mind, that decision, that challenge, that thing. You, you, don't, you might not have described it that way, but you kind of know right now there's that kind of Holy Spirit tug in you. You don't always use that language for that, but you, you know there's something compelling you to this. And you know that there's a lot of fear with that. And you have no idea what hangs in the balance on the other side of that decision. But here's what else I know about you. You and I do not want to look back on our lives and wonder what God might have done if we had taken that step of courage. 
Because a simple act of courage can open the door to something remarkable. Well, I want to take just about three or four minutes here and kind of talk to you as a pastor. Uh, Because I've been praying for you this week. I've been praying for myself. And honestly, this is one of those messages. uh, This should be every Sunday. It's not always every Sunday, but it's especially this Sunday where I felt like, God, how can I stand up and deliver this message when I'm still trying to learn how to live this out myself? Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Because I have felt in, in the, where we're at in the life of our church, man, we've taken some courageous steps, but there are some giant steps in front of us. And, and, and am I willing to, to go first? A, 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 am I willing to lead the way as we as a community step into what God has for us? So I want to touch on a couple things that the Lord's put on my heart and see if any one of these resonates with you. Four steps of courage for you to consider if God's asking one of these of you today. The first is simply this. The courage to reconcile when it would be easier to walk away. The courage to reconcile when it would be easier to walk away. You know, one of the fascinating things about Joshua, I mentioned this already 40 years earlier, Joshua is at the southern edge of the promised land. And he and his buddy Caleb go with 10 other spies into the country to look around. And they come back. And Joshua and Caleb are like, hey, yes, we can do this. But the other 10 say, no, we can't. Y'all were here when Caesar preached on this, right? And because of the decisions, the lack of faith, the fear of those other 10, Joshua misses out on the next 40 years of his life. Because of the decision of another, Joshua will suffer for 40 years in the wilderness. And I don't know if you've ever suffered because of the decision of another. But oftentimes when we've been hurt or when we've been offended or when we've been wounded, the easiest thing to do is simply walk away, right? But Joshua doesn't do that. Joshua pursues reconciliation with his Israelite community. And because of that, because he chose to take a step towards them, they all now together, 40 years later, are entering the promised land. You see that? As a pastor, one of the things that uh, breaks my heart for our community is how often I see relationships break down in this way. It's, it's not easy, right? We, 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 we bump up against each other. We, we disappoint one another. We, we hurt one another. There is no perfect friendship. There is no perfect community group. There is no perfect marriage. And when we experience that and we think, oh, well, this one isn't perfect, so it must not be the right one. I'm going to leave that one and go find another. When, when, we, when we perpetuate that pattern in our lives, not only do we miss out on all that God has for us, but we fail to act courageously the way God would have us. It takes courage to say I was wrong. It takes courage to ask for your forgiveness. It takes courage to love. First step I want to challenge you to consider today is the courage to reconcile when it would be easier to walk away. Second is this, the courage to step out of my spiritual comfort zone when it would simply be easier to stay. As I was praying about this message this week, I kept coming back to this idea of comfort. In fact, I was talking with some of y'all last night about this, right? Uh, We love comfort in our culture, and don't get me wrong, I love comfort too. We got these weighted fluffy blankets from Costco. Have y'all seen those weighted blankets? I get under one of those things and, and I'm like a cat, right? And, and I don't even like cats, but I, I can't even get out from under that blanket. I'm just like, oh, and I start purring. You know? I mean, I just love the comfort. Right? I read an article this week about a new movie theater opening 
that doesn't just have heated seats. The heated seats have back massagers in them, right? Like, how? I mean, our, next they're going to invent something that chews our popcorn for us. I don't know. It's just like, we just love comfort. But here's the problem with comfort. Not, not, nothing wrong with comfort. Comfort's good. But here's the danger of comfort, rather. We will never grow. We will never change. We'll never become who we are called to be so long as we stay in our comfort zone. Comfort requires nothing of us but passivity. And courage will always lead us out of our comfort zone. I mentioned this at the start of the message, but Jesus never called us to our comfort. Did you know that? I know it's hard to believe, but that's not his number one goal for your life. (laughs) His number one goal for you is the person you're becoming, the character he wants to shape in you, the kingdom difference he wants to make through your life. And my friend, that will require that you step out of your comfort zone because Jesus is way more interested in your growth and your character than he is in your comfort. So where might Jesus be calling you to step out? For some of us, I was thinking about this. We're going to be moving into the new building August 22nd, in case you hadn't heard that, which is just way, way, way cool. And we're going to be celebrating baptisms and confirmations on that opening day. And for some of you, maybe you grew up in church or maybe you're new to church. Uh, Maybe you've responded in one of those times of prayer that I've led us in where I've said, hey, are you ready to take a step of faith? And maybe you even took some kind of step of faith, but you've never gone public with your faith. What if God's calling you to go public today with your trust and faith in him? That's what baptism is. It's a decision to to confess before a community that Jesus is my Lord. And if that's a step of courage you're ready to take, I want to encourage you to to tell someone that. There are cards in back. You can grab, put your name and email on there, say, I'd like to get baptized. I'm ready to take that step. Or you can come up to me after the service. But what act of spiritual courage might God be asking you to take in this season? All right, we're running out of time. Third, here we go, third thing. The courage to do the right thing, even if it costs me. The courage to do the right thing, even if it costs me. Let me make this one quick. The truth is that doing the right thing is almost always going to cost us, isn't it? And when it's going to cost us to do the right thing, there is fear, there is anxiety, and that means it will take courage. In our workplaces, the choosing the pathway of integrity when those around us are benefiting from shading the truth a little, that's going to take some courage. Choosing to not remain silent when others make racist or belittling comments behind people's back, choosing to risk ourselves in that mode, that's going to take some courage. Choosing to identify with the powerless, the vulnerable, or those denied justice, and choosing to take up their cause as if it was my own, that's going to take some courage. These things are costly, and they always require courage because doing the right thing is the most courageous thing to do. Fourth and finally, the courage to step up and lead when it would simply be easier to sit back and watch. Well, it was seven years ago that we planted this church called Lake Forest here in the Westlake region. And some of y'all know this story. Uh, My family and I, we were living in California, and let me tell you, we had it pretty comfortable, right? Like we were in a cushy big church, uh, had a nice cushy job. It was great. We could have just pressed autopilot and just kind of sailed into the sunset, you know? A lot of smog in that sunset in L.A., but you get the idea. (laughs) But God started to unnerve something in us. He started to awaken this call. And through a providential connection, we were connected to Lake Forest Church 
And we knew that he was calling us to step out of our comfort zone and come and plant the church. Well, so seven, a little over seven years ago, we jumped in our old 1985 uh, sports coach RV. Some of y'all have seen it. Uh, by the way, I sold the RV just five weeks ago. Uh, so uh, end of an era. But we drove cross country, and sure enough, the RV broke down in Gastonia, uh, just shy of our destination. Uh, it was a Monday night. We could not get any tow trucks to come. And I just started to freak out. Like Josh, I thought, God, did you really call us to this? And, and on the edge, not of the Jordan River, but of I-85, I sat there and I prayed. I said, Lord, what are you doing? And as I wept, physically wept, in the back of that RV, there was a knock on the door. And a young man was there, and I got out, and he said, hey, how can I help? I explained the situation. His best friend from high school owned a towing company in Lincolnton, so he called his buddy. His buddy said, I'll be there in two hours. We jumped in his car. He gave us a lift to the Hilton Express right at exit 17, 321 on I-85 right there in Gastonia. And my family got out of the car, went inside, and as I turned to thank the young man, he, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, when you think about me, would you pray for me? Now, he knew nothing about my story. And I said, sure, uh, what can I pray for? And he said, my wife and my four-year-old left me two months ago, and I haven't seen my child since. And then he said, I was at church this last Sunday, begging God to let my life count for something good. He said, I was driving on the interstate and I felt a tug in my heart, but I was too scared to stop, so I kept going. He said, but the feeling wouldn't go away. So I got off the interstate, I did a U-turn, and I came back a second time. He said, uh, I want you to have this. And he reached in the back and he handed me a sealed envelope out of his Bible. I prayed for him. We both wept. I got out of the car. He drove away. And I went inside and I opened the envelope and inside was $500 cash, which paid for the tow truck, the hotel room, and the Domino pi Domino's pizza. And it was as if we could hear an audible voice. Aaron, you want to experience the living God among you? You've got to step out in faith. You've got to step out in courage. Seven years later, there's a church. And many of you have been a part of the courageous step to make this possible. And I just want to say thank you. It has been quite a ride. Uh, I, I don't think I ever could have dreamt that we would be where we're at today, that God would have done all that he's done and is doing in our community. From things like making a difference through Kids Hope, to the, to the food shares program that distributes literally 80 plus boxes of food to needy families in our community every week, to countless kids just being discipled and told about the love of God, to a new building, a new tool for his kingdom we're going to move into in August. Y'all, it's been an exciting seven years, but here's what I want you to know today. The most exciting years are still in front of us. In fact, the most important years are still in front of us. And I'm confident of this. I'm confident of this. It is going to take a mighty step of courage on all of our parts if we are going to realize the promise and the mission that God has for us. What role might God have for you to play in that story? What role might God have you to play in his story? Can I pray for us? Well, Father, we, we've gone a little bit long today. Uh, 
but I'm so grateful for this story of Joshua. So grateful for the humanity that we see in him, the fear and the, and the trembling, and yet the courage that we see in him to trust you to step out in faith. Lord, I really do believe you have called each and every person in this room to a role in your story, to a role in your mission, to a role in your kingdom. And I pray that today, somehow through my words, through your story, through your scriptures, through this prayer time or the worship time, that they have sensed your invitation to that step. God, would you give us the courage to trust you? Would you give us the courage to follow you? And would we experience the full life and power of the living God as we trust you and we take that step? God, we really do believe the greatest years of our church are in front of us. Would you enable us to follow you into them? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I can't thank you all enough for the sabbatical. I really mean it. Um, It is a great gift to me and my family. And I I, I wish I could look each one of you in the eyes and say thank you. Uh, I'm so grateful to our elders and our staff that are going to make that possible. And uh, I'm so anxious to reconnect with you all in 12 weeks uh, and to hear what God has been doing while we've been resting and praying for you. Uh, Today, I thought it would be fitting that we would celebrate communion together. I'm going to ask Terrell to come up and serve with me as one of our pastors. And I want to give you this friendly last little charge as we go. You know, one of the remarkable things in in our, our church today is that even as the world around us has been dealing with just a lot of division and a lot of strife, right? God has graced us with a real sense of unity in our church. Because we all agree politically? No. Because we all have the same thoughts around masks and vaccines? No. (laughs) But because we all gather around the same table of Jesus. And it's Jesus that unites us. And so here's what I know is in front of us. In the coming weeks and months, we're going to have to make some difficult decisions around how do we navigate all the changing, return to normal, and so on and so forth. And not one of us is going to think that the church is doing it exactly the right way. And the problem is, is that we as a church, we're just not as smart as you. If we were as smart as you, we would probably do it the right way. But, but we're not. So we're going to ask you to, to have some grace for us. Does that make sense? In fact, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Colossians. He says, hey, listen, guys, would you make allowance for one another's faults? Would you make allowance for one another's faults? That's what I want to call us to as a church. Can we make space for one another? We're going to do this as best we can. Will we always agree? No. But we can always be unified in Jesus, even as we move forward. Is that a deal? Can we make that deal? Okay. Well, um, Terrell, come join me in this. So it was on the night that Jesus gathered with some of his closest followers. After giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Are you turned on there? So the same way he takes the cup and says, this cup is my blood. And it is the new covenant that is in this cup. So when you drink, do this in remembrance of me. You may go ahead and take your cup and serve yourself. Terrell and I are going to serve one another. 
I invite you to serve at home. Nathan and the team is going to lead us in a song of response. Terrell, this is the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for the forgiveness of your sin. This is the body and the blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins.